Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 131, and we're discussing our anime guilty pleasures. There's probably going to be light to semi-heavy spoilers somewhere in there throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I'm really excited to talk about this uh, this topic, although I'm kind of nervous because the intent behind a guilty pleasure is that like you really like it, but other people will probably think you're weird for liking it. So hopefully it, this doesn't freak anybody out. Well, we watch anime. What's weird? Yeah. That, so. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's probably worse things out there that I could consider my guilty pleasures than what I have on my list right now. But it'll be fun to go through it. Before we dive into that, though, we do want to share a fun announcement. We were recently invited back to Otaku Host Club to talk about our top five anime from 2022. Yeah, it's always a great time talking with Dan, Jeff, and Amelia. Uh, it was kind of fun this time because each of us actually had our own top five anime for 2022, like our own list. And we had to kind of compare and contrast. And there was a little bit of, of crossover. Uh, I think one of us had a really interesting pick. <laughs> a, for... a very controversial pick. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no, it wasn't controversial. I think it was a really interesting pick <laughs> for their their number one anime for 2022. Uh, I won't spoil whose pick that was, but you'll have to tune in because, yeah, it was just a fun time reflecting on the year in anime that was 2022 with some really great people yeah i feel like it was a good mix of lists like we had like you said a lot of overlap even if it didn't fall in the same number we were kind of all following the same vein of like really good anime from last year because we were very spoiled as anime fans in 2022 there's a lot of great anime to pick from but then there were also a few um divisive uh, anime that were peppered throughout our list so it was it was a lot of fun talking through these and sharing what we consider the top five anime from last year so if you're interested in hearing that episode it should be going live in just a few days over at otaku host club we're also nearing the end of winter 2023 season god damn it <laughs> why well, you're mad are you mad that we're ending the season no i mean it makes it yeah it's it's march it's just I have a lot of catch up to do, but I have been doing that recently. I did it with one of, I, I call it like the lower priority show, the show that I'm not too invested in, but I just wanted to get through. Uh, and so I'm, I think I just watched, how many episodes of this did I watch? Like seven, maybe about seven episodes of... The Angel Next Door spoils me rotten. How is that? Because that's one I've been considering watching, but with all the other anime I have on my list, I haven't committed yet. It's wholesome as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of say that with a with an impartial tone. I mean, it, it's nice that it's so wholesome. It's basically about these two characters, uh, Amane, who's the male lead, and Mahiro, who's the female lead. Um, Amane does something nice for Mahiro, who's considered like an angel at the school that they attend. And so she, in secret, does things for him. Um, it's the stupid thing. I hate this trope where they just live on their own in the city and like their parents support them financially 
with like their their house and, and getting them groceries and stuff wow surprise surprise absent anime parents <laughs> yeah although the parents at least amane's parents show up a couple times in the in the series but as wholesome as this show is uh it goes into a pretty interesting reason as to why uh mahiro mahiro acts as this this angel in the school or why people think that she's such a pro at everything and, and excels in like cooking and and just being an all-around great person uh, it's kind of unexpected and th- my hope with this series i think there's a couple episodes left or i think episode 11 just came out recently is that it delves more into this reason um because i think it's what makes this even though this show is wholesome it's what makes this show a little bit more rounded if that makes any sense kinda so there's like more to it like beneath the surface yes well a majority of the show is of course you know, there's like this romantic friction between the two characters and um, they don't know how to express their feelings, which describes any romance anime, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so right now it's just them you know, going through the wholesomeness, like treating each other to things, doing things for each other, which is great and all, but I, I kind of want that, that more of that drama and that suspense. Yeah, you, I could see you being more of like, yeah, the, the the romance fan that that enjoys the drama or the comedy aspect, like you need that secondary thing in your romance. Mm-hmm. But like a pure romance, I feel like every time I watch a pure romance, I'm like, you would not like this. Yeah, like I, like I said, something that that feels a little bit more realistic because I'm sure like every like romances in real life, they're all they're not always so wholesome. Like there's there are ups and downs. And not to say, like, this is still a good show. I, I've enjoyed watching it. It's kind of just a, like, turn, <laughs> turn off your brain and, and, and <laughs> enjoy the character interactions kind of show. Um, but, yeah, two episodes left. I'll, I'll see if any of that kind of ramps up in the last two episodes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you love the wholesome stuff, I don't think, I don't think you'd particularly enjoy this one. Thinking with you loving shows like uh what was the one that came out last last season uh more, more than, than a married couple like <laughs> that you, was a good show yeah you're in i feel like you're almost into the the, the dumpster fire <laughs> sort of show the I teasing like, anime i like a little spice to my romance <laughs> yeah you like the more spicy romances this one it, it's kind of it's more tame and the, the two characters they they, they don't sound very exciting. <laughs> like even just their their voices, there's very uh, low tone, but not as like bad as Aharen or, or was it Rido? Just like that dry personality. Yeah, they're not dry personalities, but it's just um, there's no excitement in in their voices really. I feel like a show that I'm watching, um, but I'm pretty sure you're not that is in that same vein is the ice guy and his cool female colleague. Mm. Although you do have the ED song on our Spotify playlist. Thanks to the recommendation of one of our discord members. Yeah. I think, uh, Joey guns 13. So thank you for the music rec. Um, and yeah, maybe I should give this show a shot. 
Uh, I don't know if you'd like it though, because this is also very wholesome romance. It's like super fluffy, super sweet. Um, what I was really excited about with it is that it stars an adult cast and it's adults in the workplace. So I'm like, let's fucking go. I, I love that stuff. You don't get that stuff very often. And I'm enjoying it. It's like the kind of like how you said with the angel next door. It's kind of like the turn your brain off and just absorb the fluffiness and the good feelings from the show. Um, so I I don't mind watching it for that aspect. But I don't know if you would be super into it because it's a very slow burn romance about like really fluffy things like they both like cats <laughs> and hmm. they both like collecting cat memorabilia and i'm like i don't I, I i'm more of a dog person so it's hard to relate to but <laughs> yeah maybe angel next door is making me start to warm up to these slower paced romance stories so i don't know if i have time i could i give was it ice cool guy ice cool guy the ice guy and his cool female <laughs> colleague <laughs> yeah ice, I'll, i could give ice guy a shot but i, I do love the the ed I think it's by Naulu, um, who did the same one for More Than a Married Couple. <laughs> so. Oh, so, really? I didn't realize it was the same singer. I'm pretty sure it is Naulu. So now I have to. I'm pulling up my um, anime playlist on Spotify. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same oh, singer. To two totally different vibes between those songs. But I feel like these wholesome, fluffy shows, whether they're romance or or not. They definitely have their place in the, you know, your your anime watch list because it's nice to balance each season with the intense dramas and shonens and actions with some of these more subdued shows where you can just kind of ease into them, watch them at your leisure and enjoy the story. But interestingly, as we were talking about those anime, you kind of brought up some things that I like about anime that maybe not everyone likes. And that's the topic for today. <laughs> Great the, transition. <laughs> you like that one? The yeah. guilty pleasures of anime. So we actually had a hard time like honing in on what we'd consider guilty pleasures. So I looked up a couple of different definitions. And I think this definition, I think this one comes from dictionary.com. I don't remember. Um, this one kind of hits the nail on the head for what we consider a guilty pleasure and what's kind of driving this discussion so a guilty pleasure is an activity or piece of media that someone enjoys but would be embarrassed by if other people found out about it so i consider this like the things in anime that fuel us like we live for these things we love these things even if other people shit all over them <laughs> like i don't care this is the kind of stuff that i like everyone's got their guilty pleasures so i thought it'd be or we thought it'd be fun to talk about our guilty pleasures so that you guys can judge us for them i'll admit this was kind of hard to come up with um because i don't feel like i have many out there guilty pleasures in anime that fit that definition and the way that i kind of structured my list is it's from like the less severe guilty pleasures to probably the most severe oh interesting um, i didn't have an order to mine i just kind of <laughs> threw them on here <laughs> but yeah i don't think any of these are like insane or i think one of them might be a really hot take that i'm sure you're gonna find it as a hot take uh, but I was able to come up with six at least. How many did you come up with? I have one, two, three, four, five. Wow, you actually have more than me this time. <laughs> okay, 
That's going to be interesting. And as always, we have not shared our list with each other. So we're going into this blind. Um, do you, you want to start then since you have more on your list? Yeah, because I doubt we're going to have overlap <laughs> I know, like we do with other. I would be really surprised <laughs> if we had any overlap between these guilty pleasures. Okay. So this first one, it's it's stupid, but I get a little bit of enjoyment out of it. It's fake brand names in anime. <laughs> brand names <laughs> like what's the devil's a part-timer one mcronald's mcronald's <laughs> i think they also did I, I listed some of my favorites moon bucks was also a thing in uh. devil's a part-timer for starbucks uh mob donald's mob in mob psycho um since i just spoke about angel spoils me rotten they did one of the arcades in japan um namka which is uh, Namco, <laughs> uh, or our favorite uh, anime of all time, uh, Cowboy Bebop. Remember when they did Peepu? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for Pepsi. JoJo <laughs> did Coca-Cola. Uh, I think the the most egregious one that I've seen recently is from Tomozaki, uh, since it's about video games. Uh, they had a variation of the Nintendo Switch, but they called it the Yontendo Smotch. <laughs> 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 just uh, all of these these stupid names. And I was actually reading different articles about these fake brand names in anime. And I came across Gintama because then apparently they had an episode arc that's centered around the high demand for the Wii, but they called it the Bentendo Wii. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just love seeing these things pop up in anime. And then you have the occasional like real life advertising like you have shit like Pizza Hut appearing in Code Geass, which was iconic back in the day when when Code Geass was airing. And then I think what I don't remember what streaming service it was that we watched it on I think when Netflix. Yeah, when you um were first getting introduced to it, and they removed all the Pizza Hut references. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, so <laughs> like that was kind of took me out. I mean, I didn't watch that, but knowing that Pizza Hut was part of the Code Geass world, it was like, oh, that's kind of strange, but. I just love these sort of half-assed attempts to cement anime in the real world by putting in products, but then slightly altering their names. Uh, oh, another one I forgot to mention. Like Google was in Hunter Hunter, but it was spelled like U O O G R E, like yogurt. <laughs> I don't know, but I just I find enjoyment in the fact that they're so stupid that it makes me eager to see. Like in any anime that takes place in the modern day or in, in, in modern day Japan, like what they come up with, if they twist around a letter or whatever they do to make something recognizable, just seem like a like a, like we're living in a simulation or, or something. <laughs> uh, and also, I would very much rather wear a McDonald's t-shirt rather than provide free marketing for McDonald's by wearing one of their brands. Would you say, as a JoJo fan, that you get some level of enjoyment from the localized stand names and oh. character names? Because mm -hmm. some of them are really, like, like not that good, like, you're, you know, Zipperman um, for Sticky Fingers. But some of them can be pretty clever. Yeah. Like, localizations like JoJo... I think those are dumb because <laughs> at least with these fake brand names, they still bear some resemblance to the real life counterpart. 
with Jojo, yeah, going from Sticky Fingers to Zipperman is just so off-putting. Like, what I about think, Flaccid Pancake? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are just stupid for being stupid. I think fake brand names are stupid, but they're fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first guilty pleasure on my list comes as no surprise if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. And that guilty pleasure is male Sundays. Mm-hmm. I don't hide it. I I advertise it. I I love them. Find me an anime with a male Sunday character and that's it. I'm hooked. The show doesn't even have to be good. I'll watch it just to watch a great male Sunday. And trust me, I have done that many, many times. I when I when my watch list runs dry of male Sunday, I'll go on Google and be like, best male Sunday in anime or great anime that star a male Sunday. And I'll just I don't even need to read the synopsis. I'll throw them on my watch list just so I can see more of them. Yeah, that's why I was surprised that you fell upon or stumbled upon Nodame Cantabile. I feel like we're always mispronouncing this. (laughs) Um, Because that was one that I had planned to watch just because it's music-based, but then you just went ahead and watched it because the main character is Is a male someday. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That's all I needed to watch it. And people often ask especially ask me why Sunday fans like Sundays because in real life they would be the fucking worst right like they'd be awful to deal with i'm sure we all know at least one in real life Sunday that we can't stand but it's actually kind of difficult for me to explain whenever someone asks me this question and there's many reasons that go into it but if i had to choose one of the biggest reasons i love male Sundays i'd say it's because there's there's like so much satisfaction and excitement that comes with a male Sunday finally letting their guard down or like starting to break down their tough exterior. And that usually happens when they find love or they find a- another person that they trust or they find some sort of like fulfillment or reach a goal. And I find that oftentimes, at least the male Sunday that I really like, they tend to have like a heart of gold or mean well on the inside. But they have that tough exterior and it takes time and effort to break that down and expose those positive attributes. But when it happens, it is always so exciting. It is always so satisfying. It's like that that goal that you've been working toward for however long. And it, it's also like gratifying to know like, okay, I was right. There is a good side to this person. And now they've just exposed that to the characters in the show. And everyone knows that they, they mean well, even if what comes out of their mouth may be a little aggressive. Yeah, I'm thinking of the tsundere's that have appeared in anime. We've watched. They yeah, all I put have, them up. Bakugo. Yeah, of course. You've got Bakugo from My Hero Academia. You've got Kyosoma from Fruits Basket. Uh, a lesser known one, but to me is the quintessential male someday is Yukimaru from Fena Pirate Princess. Inuyasha from Inuyasha, mm-hmm. who I consider my gateway male someday. Um, I even put on here Mugen from Samurai Champloo. Yeah. Because Mugen's very rough around the edges, but I think he's, he starts to soften a little bit through his um, his journey with Fu because Fu needs his help like she needs something from him and he knows that he can protect her and help her so it's kind of nice to see i mean he hasn't totally changed but it is kind of nice to see those moments where he lets his guard down john from attack on titan yeah it's like, a good one a less severe <laughs> i guess sundari compared to everyone else um Joto. he's got that he's got that crush on mikasa yeah. so he lets his guard down around <laughs> her that's for sure uh and then jotaro 
who's my favorite Jojo, but yeah, he's a Sundere. Hell yeah. <laughs> a Sundere through and through. He's probably one where he uh, doesn't really let his guard down, but you know, we know he's a good person. I know you you mentioned like these are male these are male Sundere characters, but your favorite one of your favorite shows, Tora Toradora. Taiga, isn't she a Sundere? Yes. It stars a so. female Sundere, <laughs> which most of the time, um, I think there's fem- like there's more female Sundares or well known female Sundares out there. Um, but of course, you know, I gravitate toward male Sundares because you know, I, I like male characters and some of them are husbanda material. But Sundays in general I do enjoy. Like I I don't dislike watching a great show that stars a female Sundere. Well, my next guilty pleasure it's kind of in the same vein where it's a, a certain character type, but for me, it's Kudere characters. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's my type, which makes sense because we're all we're complete opposites in a lot of aspects. <laughs> um, Wait, female female Kudere's or any Kudere? I guess any Kudere because the ones that I put together a list of characters that I like that fit this character type. Top of the list is Levi Ackerman, of oh, course, of course. <laughs> from Attack on Titan. Second, Mikasa Ackerman from Attack on Titan. Uh, Todoroki from My Hero. I'm pretty sure I root for Team Rui from Domestic Girlfriend. Uh, Kurapika from Hunter x Hunter. Rukia from Bleach, even though we haven't watched Bleach in a while. Uh, Ranko from Akiba Made War. And Shin Nozen from 86. Those are some of the more recent kudere yo shin shin is a great kudere and i have to say if there was a secondary character type that i really love especially for male characters it's it's the kudere because i love shin i love other there are other kudere's who either are pure kudere or they're kudere with traits of sundere to them mm-hmm. so there's a lot of overlap between the two which is probably why i also like that one yeah and i'm, I'm not sure if kudere is a popular character type just because a lot of them, and the way that they're initially presented, they're they're sort of they have this icy facade, and it's really hard to read into them, um, and they're this really silent and mysterious type. But I think I kind of find charm in that because just because you're not sure what their next move is going to be. And I guess the the best way I can describe it is this was a quote from Jackie Chan in the first Rush Hour movie. It's like not being able to speak is not the same as not speaking. You seem as if you like to talk. I like to let people talk who like to talk. It makes it easier to find out how full of shit they are. I love that line. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I feel like that kind of describes a kudere to a T. Just because they're, I feel like they're the more observant people in, in their respective series. Um, they are kind of a little bit more practical in how they approach things. And maybe it could be the result of some previous trauma or life experience. Uh, but yeah, I feel like they're always the cool headed ones in a situation. And I don't know, maybe it's because I see a little bit of myself in the Kudere type where I don't like to always wear my heart on my sleeve. Although I feel like there are certain cases where I wear my heart on my sleeve. But um, yeah, I think Kudere's are kind of like myself insert protagonist just because yeah the, the the mystery around them it's what makes them so fascinating and then when you find out their true nature and a lot of them they they do have uh they have heart and emotion under their facades and then 
but like in other cases they they surprise you in unexpected ways so would you say similar to the satisfaction that i get watching a sundere like connect with someone or something would do you get a similar satisfaction like watching a kurere for example like actually show some emotion because they're super compelled by like a love interest or they're reacting really well to like a certain situation or they reached a goal and like they show a little bit of excitement. Do you get a similar satisfaction from that? Yeah. I, I'm, or maybe just like if they go balls to the wall, like they just go com- ape shit on everybody yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> thinking specifically of, of Levi, like when he's provoked, like I don't think that's uh, an example of Levi like being a monster, but showing that they do have this, energy to them uh when they are they need to do something for or on behalf of somebody or for like a greater good situation like when they find that catalyst that sets them off yeah or also like i think at todoroki from my hero thinking about his journey uh yeah he's he's an intelligent individual i i would say he's not like very street smart street smart though and so seeing him kind of break down his facade in that sense and and building up his relationship with the other students, I think that is another thing that I also like to see is them sort of breaking out of their shells. Uh, that kind of reminds me of Komi. I didn't realize Komi is sort of a kurere yeah. in that sense. <laughs> um, but I think she's just more... I think Kure is like they they keep calm. <laughs> that's that's one thing about Komi is that she she panics of course when trying to communicate with, with others. But yeah, Kureis are are my type. <laughs> Next on my list, I don't know if this is gonna be weird or not because this one does have it. It can be divisive, but I really enjoy teasing anime. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why like but not like the bad kind of teasing like the wholesome kind of teasing. Um, like for example, one of my favorite teasing anime is teasing master Takagi-san. Super wholesome. Yeah, the teasing super master. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing egregious. Uh, I think what's out right now, um, although I think it's on pause for production issues, uh, but for this season is Kuba Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Another really wholesome teasing anime. Um, now I also do technically like Nagatoro. I think Nagatoro is probably where I would push my limit with teasing anime, but the reason I I'm I enjoy Nagatoro is because there is a mutual romance and a lot of like the really intense teasing sort of dies down a bit after the first season. So there's progression to the story. It's not just like pure like like teasing porn type of shit. Now, one that I tried to get into that I really hated was Uzaki-chan Wants to Hang Out. I mm. I did not like that anime. I think a, a big reason is because she's teasing the, the male lead, but there's like little to no chemistry between the two of them. So that, to me, even though they're touting it as, an, as a romance, it feels more like teasing for the sake of teasing. And again, I don't really know why I like it so much. I think maybe it's because it reminds me of the days when you know, you were more innocent as a kid. Like when you have a crush on someone when you're really young, your first thought is to tease them instead of being nice to them, which is like totally backwards. But that's where like a kid's head will go because they don't know how to react to feelings of romance. So I, I just, I don't know, maybe because it has that nostalgic feel to it, it has sort of that wholesome aspect to it. All the shows again that I've, I've named that I enjoy that are teasing anime tend to be ones where there is 
a mutual romance the characters just don't know how to express that and teasing is i guess the way that they end up expressing it but it's never anything that's over the line that's like too crazy again with the exception of some of the stuff in nagatoro um i feel like that's that's the kind of teasing that that i do enjoy that sounds weird teasing that i enjoy the teasing anime that i enjoy watching no i think that's a it's kind of a relatable trait like you said with uh being kids uh i think teasing others in that sort of playful manner was just a, a sort of defensive barrier just to to kind of hide away your feelings um but i think that yeah it, it kind of it just opens the door for those feelings to eventually come out and at least in these anime uh the very little that i've seen of takagi uh I, I don't think it felt like egregious that she would always tease the the guy. What's the guy? The the boy's name? <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking you this because you're giving me a, a blank look. Why am I blanking look. on it? We not, I just know <laughs> you that, put uh, me on the spot. You know I'm bad with names. Hang I just on. know that Yuki Yuki Kaji <laughs> voices him. He does a great job too. Mm-hmm. Oh Nishikata, duh. Okay. His name is Nishikata. <laughs> yeah, like the way that Takagi teases Nishikata never feels like oh that's a little bit too much. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's, there's some, something like so wholesome about it and fluffy about it. It's like, oh, that's cute because, you know, like one has the, a crush on the other. Or they have a crush on each other. Or they just they just don't know how to express it. Or like, I'm enjoying Kuba Won't Let Me Be Invisible um, because it's one of those situations where the popular girl has a crush on the like very unpopular boy. So it seems like an impossible situation, but it's not impossible because she does have feelings for him and she's trying to get him to notice her, but he just thinks to himself that he's not worthy of being noticed or he's like not in her league at all. So there's more to it than just the pure teasing aspect. There's a great romance behind it. So as long as there's a great romance behind it that I can root for, I think that's why... I really enjoy seeing, you know, like these these teasing type anime. Now explain Nagatoro. <laughs> There's romance. Okay, there is actually romance. The the story progresses and you get a lot more of that in season two. So there is a great underlying romance there. Um, it just comes in really, really strong in the first mm-hmm. half of the first season. So if you can make it past the first half of the first season, that's when the romance starts to really be introduced. And then you kind of get hooked from there. I guess I'll keep in line with uh guilty pleasures that come out of romances <laughs> this, this one is this one's stupid but i love it every time i see it it's the trope of the running after the girl scene <laughs> that i think i've i've seen a lot in the anime films that we've watched a silent voice had it your name had it weathering with you had it words bubble up like soda pop had it um even a, a Japanese live action I saw, Train Man, had it. And I'm pretty sure Family Guy did a parody of this trope with Chris. Oh, at the airport? Yeah. <laughs> where he, he had to like make his way to to see someone off at the airport or express his love for, for them. I laugh about this because I'm actually surprised you would consider this a guilty pleasure. I always thought that you found it really annoying because uh, you, you bring it up for sure. Like it's It's definitely a trope that happens in a lot of major romances. But I always thought that you found it dumb. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of like uh, the anime brands thing. It's dumb, but a small part of me enjoys seeing this just because it's it's a trope. And maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for ro- like romance 
plot tropes like this because I think it's probably one of the most physical displays of a character's feelings for another person besides just giving them a damn kiss. Like the effort that they their body has to go through to <laughs> run these long ass distances just to confess their feelings or or find the person that they're in love with. Um, you have to applaud that effort. And they always trip at some point when oh, they're running. Yes. They always trip or stumble or whatever. Yeah, you have to play up the drama of the moment and, and think, oh, are they going to make it? Well, yes, 99% of the time, they're going to make it to the person that they're running towards. I just can't think of, I couldn't think of any anime examples of this yet or like that we've seen in shows that we've watched. It's, it's in probably- Toradora. Oh, it is. There's a there's a run after the girl scene in Toradora. <laughs> I'll have to watch that at some point then. I mean, there's many reasons you should watch Toradora, despite it being my number two favorite anime. <laughs> but yes, there there is one of those. So every time you mention it, I think of Toradora. I'm like, oop, it's in there. <laughs> the next guilty pleasure on my list, I guess, kind of follows the same theme about like something that happens in anime that's related to a romance. Um, but this one's a little spicier. And maybe, maybe I'm not alone here. I'm probably not because I think there's a reason that this is like this is like good fucking food in anime. I love when sexual tension is done well and not used as a means of fan service. So like really good, okay. like very well executed sexual tension. They, the characters don't even have to bang or get together. They just have to have really good chemistry. Does that make sense? The only example I'm... Would you consider what happened in Dress Up, My Dress Up Darling, as a good example of that? Absolutely. That's my number one oh. example on this list. My <laughs> Dress Up Darling episode 11 was such good sexual tension, but the sexual tension is in service to the romance. It's not just a means of fan service or, you know, just to be explicitly etchy. Like, that was a really good episode. I'm also thinking like Makima and Denji's hand holding scene from Chainsaw Man. Mm. I know a lot of people talked about that. I thought that was a, re- a really well done bit of sexual tension um, for those two characters. Uh, I don't know if you're, ne- you're going to know all these examples, but there's one scene between Hachiman and Yukino from season two of Oregairu when they're in the nurse's office. I don't want to spoil anything, but if you've seen the show, you know the scene I'm talking about. Uh, basically every episode of More Than a Married Couple But Not Lovers. I think that that show... It's, That's a, that was egregious. No. <laughs> that, it's an etchy. And like, yeah, there's a lot of sexual tension, but it's in service to the romance. It's in service to the romance of the two main characters. So like to me, yes, it, sometimes it does border on like just pure fan service, but it's not like there isn't that underlying romance that's fueling what's happening. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I can see it. Maybe with uh, more than a married couple, I was just sick of seeing that constant sexual tension. <laughs> but like my dress up, darling, at least it builds up to that. <laughs> That's a weird way. It builds up to that moment. There's like yeah, there's, there's like an established romance and like relationship development. And then episode 11 hits and you're like, holy shit, what the hell? This was great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like that one scene between Lloyd and Yor from Spy Family. Um, I think it happened in season one. Like it was really quick. Um, but I thought that that was another great moment of like really good sexual tension that was in service to maybe not the romance, but the comedy of the situation. Mm-hmm. 
Because that was a scene with Yuri, right? Yuri was there. Oh, yeah. You're talking, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the scene yeah, the, where he, Yuri's he, over at their house. Lloyd has to think in like a nanosecond of what to do. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> and then the things that happen immediately after when Yor freaks out, like that's mm-hmm. all great. But the sexual tension helped to build a really funny situation because Yuri's reaction to what's going on is so great to watch. There's also some really good like sexual tension moments between the two couples in Wotakoi, but it's very wholesome. Um, moments around like their first kiss and things like that. So I just really enjoy it if it's if it's done with good purpose and intention, if it's done to enhance a romance or a comedic situation, and it's not just like straight up etchy fan service type of sexual tension, which has its place. Some people really enjoy that. But for me, I like more purpose to my sexual tension. <laughs> Maybe it's because it, it just shows up in shows where you would, least expected i mean if you're watching a purely etchy anime then it just loses meaning at that point yeah like again that's totally fine if someone loves like a pure etchy anime where they're they're watching it for like the plot you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that but for me personally i like it when again it's in service of something else so my next one (laughs) this is a sort of music-based guilty pleasure uh it's like kawaii, J-pop, OPs, and EDs. Oh, like like bubblegum poppy, like yes. very high, not yeah. high pitch, but like hyper fun. I, yeah, I'm like really bad at describing it. Kind of adrenaline, adrenaline fueled. Yeah. Like, yeah. To give examples, I think the first instance of where I discovered, you know, maybe this bubblegum shit isn't too bad is uh, Hare Hare Yukai, which is the ending one of the ending themes for um how do he <laughs> oh my god the is that song? the one i hate yeah i don't even know the name of it that's how much i hate it i yeah, hate you know, the fucking song yeah oh Where my god <laughs> me and uh, our friends from con fam we tried to learn the dance um, <laughs> just to piss me off <laughs> yeah or other examples um the group dialogue plus they did the opening for bottom tier character tomozaki uh Say easy uh, and my sister, my writer, the, the the travesty that we watched with Otaku Melancholy, the Kyun I love you, uh, was that purely monster? The song was Secret Story, or even My Dress Up Darling. And I think that's like the most common, like J-pop bop right now in in anime. Uh, Koi no Yukue, the the ending by Akase Akari. Uh, it's funny because I've seen memes of like people. Like they're going to the gym and they have their headphones on and they look like they have like really stone faces and they have that sort of intimidation factor to them. But then you realize that they're listening to one of these kinds of songs where it's just very cutesy, very kawaii. Um, I I think (laughs) I I sort of fit that mold. (laughs) Uh, Not that I've gone to the gym playing these songs. I have a different playlist to get me in the mood, but you know, it's one of those things that's really unexpected, and I think a lot of people like to stereotype anime as as having these these songs, and that's what kind of detracts them from wanting to explore the genre. And yeah, there are songs that fit like the J-pop kawaii bullshit that I don't like, um, but I think it has to just be the right energy or the right rhythm for me to enjoy these ops or eds i'm I'm trying to hold back my laugh as you're talking not not to laugh at what you're saying 
but because oh, you, you remind laugh. me, you remind me of the pon 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 guy. I just sent you the link. Watch it pon, really quick. Pon, pon. I, I think you've seen this before. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, who is Kiari Pamu Pamu? Is that the the singer? I don't know. I don't know anything about this song. All I know it's a, it's the pon 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 song, and this is oh, the no, pon yeah. pon pon guy. <laughs> yeah, I it's love a, this. It, the singer is Kiari Pamu Pamu. Uh, I forget where she was performing this. Uh, but yeah, the, the audience member who's just really into the song, who's lip syncing along and doing the movements. Yeah, that would be me with with some of these with some of these anime songs. And if you guys don't know the Pon 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 guy, it's a it's a meme in the anime community um, where it, it's like this this like older white guy who you w- probably would not expect to like this particular type of music but he's so into it that he's like in in the front row like you said lip syncing dancing along to it and just vibing to this fucking song and it's just so unexpected in a great way so we'll share a link to this in the discord so you guys can see this clip i just anytime it surfaces um on like twitter or something i just i love it i have to go back and watch this this clip it looks like on that video the top comment is actually from the guy <laughs> is it oh my god you're right it's <laughs> yeah. just showing his appreciation for how how people appreciate his his love for something so niche hey i'm right there with him like there are there are times i vibe like this to certain songs where i'm like most people would probably think i'm weird for liking this <laughs> mm-hmm. oh this was at coachella recently I, yeah, she oh. performed at coachella last year oh so. my god i love the pom 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 guy is like he's a vibe for sure all right, next guilty pleasure that I have is not easy to describe in one word, but I think I may have found the word as I was saying that. Is it the underdog scenario? I was talking to you about this like last week when we were getting ready for this episode. I, I, it's basically when we know a character is strong, but no one in the show knows it, and that mm. character tries to hide it, or no one would ever expect them to be strong or capable, or people underestimate them. But then suddenly they let loose or show their true potential and everyone is shocked. I think it's the underdog, right? Is that a good way to sum it up? Yeah. Yeah, underdog, yeah, the least expected to win in a situation. It's It happens all the time in anime, especially shonen anime. And it's probably super cheesy. It's probably super tropey. But I live for it. It is always a satisfying moment. So it's not like a situation of like Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. That's different because like he's older, he's experienced, he's wiser, he's very confident. Yeah, he's OP as fuck, but you kind of expect it from him. And he has that air of like, not arrogance to him, but he's got a big ego, right? So it matches the power level that he's at. I'm thinking more like Zenitsu. From Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. I, I live for that shit. I know some people don't like Zenitsu. Maybe he's a guilty pleasure in and of itself because he's my favorite character from Demon Slayer. But I love that he has no idea the potential he's holding and no one else knows until he falls asleep. Like that is such a funny situation <laughs> to me. I'm also thinking Lena from 86. It starts off, and this isn't uh, too yeah, spoilery or anything. That. This is like very early in the show. But it starts off with people doubting her because she's not very experienced as a handler. But then when she sits down in front of the computer or whatever and, and like is directing um, you know, her her team, she is very, very brilliant. She's great at strategy. She may not always come out on top, but you know she has a ton of potential. Also thinking in a way Kobeni from Chainsaw Man. 
It's almost like Zenitsu in in a sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when they just go like apeshit on everybody. Mm-hmm. Or Boji from Ranking of Kings. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a good example. The whole premise is people underestimating him because um, he's he's deaf and, and mute through that. But yet his journey is what we're following. And the, it reaches a point where he starts to show his true potential. And I just love like the satisfaction you get like watching everyone kind of sit back and think oh shit they were actually really capable all along yeah it's the satisfaction of seeing someone prove the masses wrong i mean sports are like the, the greatest example of this everyone oh, loves yeah. loves an underdog story and maybe sometimes it's just <laughs> rigged that way where where certain teams just happen to win a championship because uh people weren't expecting them to but yeah i think the same applies to anime. It's always a, like that sort of trope is always great to see. Well, speaking of sports, Haikyuu is a oh. great example of that because mm-hmm. you have Hinata who is super short and no one would ever expect that he can jump really high and that he's very, very skilled at volleyball. And there's many times in Haikyuu where an opposing team that knows nothing about him watches him in action and they're like, holy shit. He's crazy. And actually, I completely forgot a great male Sundere also comes from Haikyuu, and that's Kageyama. And then watching Kageyama and Hinata pair up and have that, they call it like the freak spike or whatever it is. Like, I can't remember. It's been a little while since I last watched Haikyuu. Uh, but watching them use that insane move against other teams, I don't care how many times they have the same reaction of like, oh my God, that's crazy. I get satisfaction from that every single time. This one could be potentially spoilery. Um, so I guess somewhat spoilers for Vinland Saga season two, because we're right in the middle of it. But there's, if, if you've watched Vinland Saga, you know that Thorfinn has a lot of fighting experience. But in mm-hmm. season two, he hasn't utilized it yet. So we're still early days. I don't know where the story is going to go because I haven't read the manga. But I'm holding out hope that we get another one of these scenarios where Thorfinn may not be an underdog necessarily because we know he's skilled, but no one in the show right now knows what he's capable of. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I, if he goes ape shit, I know it's going to be like really satisfying. And we, we got a hint of that in a more recent episode. But yeah, from the perspective of the setting where he is now, Thorfinn is severely underestimated. And so, yeah, I think moments like that where you, you know a character's potential is always very gratifying to to see it come to fruition and be like an in-your-face moment to whoever is opposing them. Yeah, and I think it's the the more they're underestimated, the more exciting it is to watch. Because I can think of other anime characters who are working toward being strong, um, but you know that they've got potential and people see that potential growing. They just haven't seen it you know, come to fruition yet. I think like Tanjiro is a great example of that. So it's less satisfying there because like everyone knows he's eventually going to get there. Everyone in the show sees his potential. It's just a matter of time. But again, like Zenitsu side of things, no one has any fucking idea and they think he's a chicken shit. But then, you know, he goes to sleep and suddenly it's a totally different story. In a sense, you could say that Aaron Yeager is an underdog. Yeah, like that's another good first, one. First season or so of Attack on Titan and yeah, look where he is now. <laughs> I know, the, the moment he becomes a Titan for the first time, like in season one, that was a really cool moment because everyone's like, holy shit. It's just that holy shit reaction is so fun to watch. Speaking of holy shit reactions, my next guilty pleasure 
Um, this is probably going to be a hot take, especially I'm expecting it from you. Um, this guilty pleasure is actually an anime, and this is an anime that I think wrapped up early last year, and people across the community were kind of like, what the fuck happened? Platinum End. Why? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Platinum End. Jeez. So I think I can't really talk about Platinum End as a guilty pleasure without delving into many spoilers about the ending because I think that's the, the part of Platinum End that really divided everybody. So if you haven't watched it or are planning to watch it or you don't want to know details, you can skip ahead a little bit. Um, but I'll just say it plainly in the end, everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a, I struggled through Platinum End. I watched it on two times speed. I was like, I was dying. I don't know if something compelled me to finish it, but I just couldn't finish it at one time speed. And the ending was just awful. Like they, it's almost like a cop out. I don't know. Like I don't want to like straight up spoil it, but I just felt so annoyed with the way they ended everything. Like it just kind of felt like, okay, well, then what was the point of everything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess that that's fair. It's I would say Platinum End is an anime that wasn't super well received. It also had like a really rough anime adaptation, mm-hmm. a lot of really bad animation quality and stuff. Um, but hey, that's the whole point of the guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I mean the first half was was kind of kind of a drag with it being like the what do you call it? Almost like a weird tokusatsu with the the guys in mecha suits. Um, but I think the the second half of the shows were really got intriguing because it started to delve into the philosophy of what it means to, to live and the concept of death and also just the, the belief in a higher deity, like what that means for everybody. And so for the ending to have played out the way that it did, I know it was disturbing, but then it was also just provocative and yeah it's a high risk to to take this really catastrophic ending and you know in a sense make fans or or viewers feel like they were robbed of something but i think for it to be so controversial it makes you really think about like what this is trying to express and maybe it's probably it may have been just an instance of the the creator of platinum end who happened to also be the creator of death note just wanting to wrap up this story so that they could move on to the next like story that they wanted to work on. But I think with this ending, it was just, it was so philosophical in a sense in how it demonstrates that there was like an inexplicable link between God and man, uh, whether or not people choose to believe in that higher being. And I know that was one of the contention points for a, kind of semi semi antagonist in the second half of the show but then they come to this realization as the world around them is like falling apart so i think the idea that platinum ends in the end was just kind of showing like god not being separate from creation whether or not it was just a a man-made thing or if if it is like a sign of a higher intelligent being there was just something so fascinating about that and I think maybe it's just with Platinum Man being more of like a philosophical and an intellectual anime that like it wants 
to make you consider these things um, even as disturbing as they may be. I think that's why I found it to be more of a guilty pleasure. Okay, hearing you talk through the ending, I think gives it more meaning than my original takeaway because I I I dislike the ending so much that I felt like it was a like a poor attempt at wrapping up the show by the creator as if he was just mm-hmm. kind of throwing in the towel and saying, "Fuck it, this thing has not been good. I'm yeah. just going to give up at this point." I I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure that's like me being too harsh about the ending. But I, I can see where you're coming from about the messaging the ending is trying to convey. But I don't know. Some part of me just feels like it was really lazy. No, yeah, I get on the surface, I guess. On the surface, it's kind of like the whole story was thrown away. <laughs> but if you dig a little bit deeper, I think that's where I get the appreciation out of it, like the layers of it. But <laughs> I think this is another case where like, I'm trying to find the deeper meaning behind things where the creator was probably just like, I want to work on something else. I'll just end it this way. (laughs) And there's no meaning behind it at all. The last guilty pleasure I have is also an anime itself. And I know this one has uh, gotten shit all over more and more as the story progresses, but I don't care. It's (laughs) Rent-A-Girlfriend. I love Rent-A-Girlfriend. I feel like it was decently well received with season one but then after season two came out people almost wanted to shit on it like for the sake of it being a meme to shit on it but i don't care i i loved the shit out of the first season it hooked me i found it to be so much fun it was like stupid fun rom-com like you know scenarios that are pretty tropey and whatnot but at the end of the day like i really root for the two main characters and I know the biggest reason people shit on Rent-A-Girlfriend is because of the main character, Kazuya. Because, yes, mm-hmm. he's dumb and useless, but I actually like his character. And I root for him to succeed because you can tell all he really wants to do is be a good person. He's just too stupid to figure out how. And I feel like maybe a, a big wave of the the meme-ness of Rent-A-Girlfriend came from that one manga panel where he basically NTR'd himself um, I don't know the details. I haven't read the manga, but I've seen that meme floating around everywhere and floating, no pun intended, um, everywhere on Twitter and whatnot. So maybe that's what caused like a lot of hate for Rent-A-Girlfriend, but I just, I really enjoyed it. I may not have loved season two as much as I love season one, but the story is great to me. I think it's a solid romance. I think it's, um, it has two protagonists, one that is super well put together one that you can like easily get behind because she's she's a hard worker she's a good person and she just wants the best for people even if she sometimes displays sunday traits and the other main character kazuya just really wants to be with her and wants to prove himself worthy of that um and and tries his best even if his best isn't always enough to win her affection it it is also a harem and it has fucking ruka of all characters um but i find all of the characters to be interesting like ruka is interesting in and of herself mommy chan offers a great no. am- offers a great amount no. of conflict to the show <laughs> no. and then sumi i mean you know we have more to learn about her but maybe she's just there to make the harem a little bit bigger okay i was going to say like the the one thing about the show that i hate the most is kazuya but no, listening to you explain it it, it makes sense no uh, you don't have to like kazuya it's fine like i get a lot of people no, hate I, him because i still annoying. don't like kazuya but <laughs> yeah, yeah what your your reasoning is is sound um yeah and rent the girlfriend is kind of 
like the dumpster fire that everyone likes to call a dumpster fire. Uh, but I will say that I think Chizuru is the one thing that keeps me going in watching this show, just seeing her story play out. So it's not like, not like uh, terribly dumpster fire material. Yeah, it's not like all the characters are terrible people. I think they all mean well, except for Mommy John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but it's just the scenarios they get themselves into are, they can be frustrating, I'm sure, to a lot of viewers. But I, I don't know. I really like Rent-A-Girlfriend, and I'm really excited for the newest season, um, whenever season three is supposed to come out. And hopefully we at some point reach the that meme from the manga so I can fully understand what the hell happened there and why everyone shits all over it. Yeah, I feel like I might have semi-spoiled myself with something that happens in the manga. Um, it seems like the story takes a bit of a dark turn, and I don't know if that's what you're referencing, uh, but yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes. And this is kind of like like the domestic girlfriend thing where they're dumpster fires because you you know it's wrong to look at it, but you're just so interested in what's You can't happening. look away. The yeah. car crash you can't look away from. Right. And so that leaves me with my last guilty pleasure, which also happens to be an anime. And maybe in some sense, this too is a dumpster fire. But I think if you've listened to the Strictly series long enough, this should be no surprise to you. Because my, I guess, number one guilty pleasure is Marmalade Boy. <laughs> I knew it. I As you started to describe it, I'm like, oh my God, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's now a Marmalade Boy in our podcast. Um, but I, I think that there hasn't been another romance anime series that I've watched that has hooked me in so much like the train wreck that Marmalade Boy is. Um, and I encourage people to, to go watch it. It's a show that was out of the 90s. Um, and it's about two characters, a boy and a girl, whose <laughs> who's parents end up marrying each other. So now they're like, that would make them step-siblings, right? Yeah, is that also the premise of that one anime that came out like two seasons ago? Like, my stepmom's daughter is my ex. Oh, yeah, kind of. But a different vibe. <laughs> yeah. And so even though they're step-siblings, these two characters, Miki and you, start to develop feelings for each other. And then it, it just turns into this sort of CW teen drama because every fucking episode ends with some off-the-rails cliffhanger that most of the time triggers the dramatic uh, instrumental intro for the OP, which is a banger. But... Like, even if these cliffhangers make me blurt out, like, oh, what the fuck? Like, it still sucks me in to wanting to know what comes out from this travesty in the next episode. There hasn't been, yeah, there hasn't been a romance anime like that. I feel like maybe I'm just not watching the right ones because they're all just so wholesome. Or it's just like they string you along to see where the romance goes. But this one, there's there's tension where it feels like yeah it feels like something you'd watch in an, an american teen drama i only caught snippets of marmalade boy as you were making your way through all 70 plus episodes uh and it it yeah it does seem super dramatic but i said earlier i like a little bit of spice to my romance mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe it's something that i will eventually pick up myself 
Probably not. I, I like to live vicariously through you and just hear you describe it. You have like this like love hate relationship with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially because it's a it's a show that I have some ties to um, in childhood because I I watched it with my sister after borrowing some DVDs of it from a friend, and then we just stopped watching it after some point. And so I returned to it, what twenty twenty one. And made myself go through it. <laughs> made myself makes it seem like it's a bad thing, which it probably was. But I still got enjoyment out of it, and finally getting closure with these characters after like ten plus years of not watching the show. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll, I'll do a rewatch of it <laughs> at some point. See if I still harbor those guilty pleasure, guilty pleasure feelings from it. But yeah, to this day, it remains unlike any other romance anime just because it, it feels like it doesn't it doesn't play it safe like the ones that I've seen recently now that you've heard our guilty pleasures you can judge us all you want will it change our enjoyment of these things probably not I don't care <laughs> I don't care <laughs> I will always love male sundays and teasing anime and underdog characters but everyone's got their guilty pleasures. So if you guys have any guilty pleasures that you're brave enough to share with us, please reach out and let us know what they are. You can reach out to us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. You can email us. Or if you're not a member of our Discord, you can join. And the link to join is in the description. But we would love to hear them because we need to know we're not the only ones out there with weird guilty pleasures. Yeah, I need someone else to watch Marmalade Boy, so I'm I'm not the only person. <laughs> I need someone else to gush over Maelstrom Days with me. I feel like I'm on an island. Of all of them, I feel like the island I sit on is Maelstrom Days, but I don't care. They're great, and I'm never going to stop watching them. You know what? Even if other people don't, we'll wear these guilty badges with honor. Because, <laughs> again, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> What we do care about, though, is your guys' support. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this discussion episode. And, of course, subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show and our weird guilty pleasures, then head over to patreon.com slash Series and tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.